Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Prog Report podcast. Uh, another special episode here. We like to do these from time to time. Uh, we'd like to welcome our special guest, Mr. John Kirkman, back to the show, this time on video. Hey, John, how are you, man? I'm fine, man. How are you? I'm good. And of course, Jeff Bailey returns after a little hiatus. You've missed a few. Of course. Of course, Jeff Bailey. Of you course, Jeff Bailey. You've missed Jeff. You've missed some. You slacker. He's missed a few, yeah. He's been busy with, with actual actual work. Uh, but the reason why we're uh, we're getting together here is because recently, uh, actually about a, a few days ago, was the uh, 30th anniversary of the Yes Union album. And uh, we're, we're recording this a few days later, but we still thought it was worth doing and talking about because it's just one of those albums that many years later is super divisive. I mean, there's some people that really have a problem with it. There's, there's people that, that look at it in a much better light than when it came out. Um, I'm one of those people. I actually like it a lot, a lot more now, personally. But I yeah. thought, uh, you know, there's the tour. There's the, the two generations of bands uh, grouping together and everything that went with that. Um, so it's a fun story. And, and really, two experts on here joining the podcast, which is, which is the two of you. I mean, I'm... I'm fairly familiar with yes and the and the particulars, but not like the two of you. So I I refer to you guys on all all yes things. Well, jo, jo, oh, John's much thing. closer to it than I am, but yeah. uh, I do my best. But I, you know, I, you I, I do wanna, a great job, Jeff. I want to talk to John uh, just real quick because you know last time we actually were in person, John was over two years ago on the last cruise oh, to the man. edge, which is insane. Is that long? Man, that's crazy. Is that incredible? Yeah. And and the next one is a year away. So it'll be three years since we've, we've been on the cruise. And it seemed like uh, it was something that was just a given every year, you know, and you, yeah. you did about six or seven, I think from the first one. Right. I've done them all. Yeah. And that was going to be the seventh. Yeah. I we're, we're really excited and, 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 uh, you'll be on board and, and I'll, and yeah. as, as the host and, and I'll be there, you know, following your coattails as the, uh, uh as the co-host there. And like, like we've done <laughs> yeah. in the years past, which yeah, is always so much great. fun, really. It's the best thing. It ever. is. It's great fun. People think that people think that, it, I mean, it is work and it's hard work, but you know, when hard work is fun, it ain't hard work. If that makes sense. You know? Yeah. Well, it's silly to complain about, Oh, I got to go. Cause I got to, I got to do something with, uh, you know, uh, Marillion uh, coming up. And then I, and then I got to go meet. Yeah. Yes. I just, I just don't have time to eat lunch. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Eat, eating times become a movable feast. No pun intended. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and the things, you know, the minute you get on the ship, when I get my schedule, as you know, yourself, when you get your schedule, you, you go to the production office and you go, oh, by the way, that's changed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah, okay. every morning. Every single one. Yeah. So That's we would we meet. We meet in meetings. the in the production office at uh, early, like seven eight a.m. on on each yeah, day, yeah. and and go over the what's going on for today, thinking that at you know eleven o'clock will be this band that we have to maybe do a Q and A, and at one is this band <laughs> to introduce, and it's all gone to hell, and and yeah. uh, and things have moved around, and then and then there's the bartering, right? So like, hey, I'll do. I'll do this interview if you do this one for me later. Yeah, we well, I can't do around. this because I'm doing this here. <laughs> so, but I can finish that early and then do that there for you while you're doing right. that. Or, yeah. you know, and there's, there's normally, uh, then the great thing is we normally get time on shore at, yeah. the, at the various stuff, which is great. And, um, but other than that, yeah, there's a lot of horse trading goes on. 
And it is hard work. I mean, I like you. I mean, we work. A lot of people think we're on holiday, which is very nice. You find me a job that pays me to go on holiday. I'll do it. But we're working 16, sometimes 18 hours a day. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's funny. Again, it's like complaining because it's the, it is the funnest work. But you don't really get to watch a lot of the shows doing what we do. You, no. You're really just running from one thing to another. And, and what we do is maybe just pinpoint three or four that we really want to see that we might be like, listen, could you just give me six to seven, 6 yeah, p.m. So to 7 watch, p.m. Yeah, so, so I can watch really Steve Hackett. Yeah. Just let me do that. <laughs> uh, you know, And then you're like, all right. Yeah. That's, you know. I mean, look, having said that, it is better than digging a hole in a hundred percent. No, there's no complaining. Wednesday, you know what I mean? There's no so, complaining. We love what we do. We're very lucky. Yeah, it's a blast. And one day we got to get Jeff on the ship, but he keeps fighting me on it because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to fly well, over. As I told, <laughs> as I told you, what's wrong with you? As I told you, I was. I mean, uh, you were working hard. I, I was. I turned fifty in twenty twenty, oh. and that was going to be the year. That was the year. Boy, yeah. am I glad I didn't buy tickets. Right. Am I glad Actually, I didn't that was you. that the year it got canceled. You're right. You're not kidding. <laughs> But uh, anyway, well, we let's must get you on that ship. We got to get you on that ship. Man. We do. We do. We got to get him on one year. It's, uh, and uh, well, there's there's news uh, about the cruise. There's not much we can reveal right now, but uh, there's going to be some lineups and more news and things coming in the next months ahead. So everybody just, mm-hmm. you know, follow Cruise to the Edge on Facebook. That's the best place to find out. Yeah. Information. And I'm, I'm going to be making a film as well um, on the banks of the Mersey. Not quite as glamorous as the banks of the Caribbean. But, you know, you'll get the message. And um, I'm doing one of those. I'm speaking to Larry. We're going to knock it about and see what we can and can't mention. Because a lot of people don't realize that the sort of hard work goes into something like this. All the T's and all the I's have to be crossed in contracts and signed off before we can announce anything. So, you know, it's it's just a matter of We waited two years. What's it? Waiting another month? Okay. Not until next year. Certainly not a big deal. That's right. We just want it to happen, which... Man, yeah. it's really looking like it might. So let's just keep our fingers crossed, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So um, moving on to, to the topic, uh, which is union. Um, Jeff, you know, I'd like to get you started on your familiarity with the history of it and how it got started, bef- how we got to union in the first place. Well, I mean, I imagine if people are watching this, they probably know the, know the story. But obviously... Uh, big generator or 90125 in fact um, you know uh, line up with Trevor Rabin, Chris Squire Tony K, Alan White, John Anderson follow up big generator took quite a long time to make um, followed by a world tour that ended in 1988 and at that point John decided that he um, didn't want to do that anymore and he went off to make an album and made that with Ruford, Wakeman, and Howe. Um, really great album. I was actually listening to it today as well, the Anderson, Ruford, Wakeman, Howe album, followed by a world tour. And then, as I understand, the ba- that band then set out to make their second album, um, did a certain amount of recording, brought in Jonathan Elias as a producer. And I think probably from that point onwards, it, it certainly from what I've read in the magazines, and, and John might cast more light on it, but there seems to be lots of contrasting opinions of what happened there. Safe to say that um, Arista, uh, the the label who who had ABWH, um, managed to get yes, being an an eight, an eight man lineup. Um, so bringing the 
the American side over um, producing an album from material that ABWH had recorded as their second album, plus stuff that the Yes West or the American side were working on. Um, and it got put together probably an album that I think in, in retrospect, very few of the band members um, view with any fondness. Um, but, but I suppose as a fan, all of that story really didn't emerge until an awful lot later. For me, in 1991, I bought the CD. It seemed like a great idea. For me, it was a great album. I really enjoyed it. And um, there were probably a few things that I maybe didn't like about it at the time. In fact, the other day, I was telling Roy, I found a review of it that I wrote for a Yes fanzine back in the day. A good old Yes music circle for, for I'm sure, some of the oh, people watching that. remember it. Tis Hayes and magazine, wasn't it? Tis, indeed. And my, my review, I'll not read you the whole thing, but it starts as, the title of it is Rick Barely Gets a Look In. And, and, and the, first line, the first sentence of the review is, where's Rick Wakeman? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and do the ABWH songs really need 12 keyboard players in addition to Rick? A major disappointment. Now, I do con conclude... Uh, my biggest surprise is how remarkably consistent the album is. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I'm just thankful that the entire eight man lineup didn't actually attempt to play on every track. Um, because sometimes <laughs> less is more. Um, so, so that was my view of it at the time. And I suppose a lot of stuff came out afterwards about how it got put together. The tour followed. Um, I can remember being a 21 year old student um, going to try and find tickets. I'm not even sure how probably it was phoning something up in those days and finding that the only seat I could get in Wembley Arena was was very high up and very far away and decided with my student budget that um, I, w I wasn't going to do it. And so I never got to see the tour. Yeah. Wow. John, what's, you know, where do you look at this album and, and sort of the, the backlash between the members? Well, and back background to it, personally, I think the Anderson Brutal Wakeman Howe album is a really good album. But I think it's, it's encased in amber now. And it, the reason it is, is because of the recording techniques and the hardware they use. You have to remember, keyboards in 1988-89 were making huge inroads and it was changing daily. And, of course, you know, it, it wasn't great, but everybody wanted in on the new technology. So I think that's the only problem. The production techniques and some of the, some of the hardware that they used on that album. I think the songs are really good. And, I, I you know... I'm going to get damned by people who love the ABWH album. I do love it, but I think it would be great if they could re-record it. I mean, strip back, use real drums, maybe use some different keyboards on it. Um, the Union thing came about, and it was put together by, I can tell you exactly who put it together, John Anderson, Brian Lane, and um, Clive Davis. And uh, Steve, Bill, and Tony Levin were already recording in the south of France, and Bill said it sounded great. And then we came in, we were told, stop. We're doing a union with the big rest of the guys in Yes, and it's going to be great. It's going to be this. Um, and then one of the reasons why John told me, he said, I couldn't make another album with ABWH. So I thought, why don't, I have, why don't we get all this big band together and do it as Yes? Which in theory was, you know, a, a not, not a silly idea when you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, eight great musicians. Yeah. It's, I mean, I suppose it, people would think it got messy on stage. It didn't. It was really good. There were a couple of times when Steve wasn't on, on stage, 
for some of the yes west things but generally speaking and again as chris said as well you know i played bass all the way through so it was never a problem for me <laughs> so uh, he said yeah i was quite yeah. happy doing it but um the album i know again trevor i'm gonna it sounds like i'm name dropping it because you know i work with yes a lot and trevor told me that he said there was the engineer the guy who produced it jonathan elias he said he's a good guy i know him and he's done a lot of great work but he said he didn't feel he was getting the right performances, which is why he brought other people in. And he didn't like that. Because, and I said, well, what, 10, it's got 10 credits for synthesizer playing. Really? Right. You don't think Rick hasn't played a synthesizer before? <laughs> he said, well, no, but he said, what I can tell you is that Chris went over and sang on some of the um, ABWH tracks and John came and sang on the Yes West tracks. But he said, other than that, he said it was Yes on those Yes West tracks, no foreign bodies. But again, to, to recap on the ABWH, a lot of people were saying, well, why not bring Chris in and make it yes? Well, I can tell you that Bill Bruford vetoed that idea. And he told me that he vetoed that idea. So that's why it didn't happen. But um, I think the Union album could do with a remix now. Um, Definitely. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think that because it's like, let's face it, how long ago now? Nearly 30 years, goodness me. Yeah. When I think of the hot dinners I've had since then, crazy. But yeah, I know time moves on. And um, again, at the time, studio techniques. And really, I, I guess a lot of it, it must have been done almost remotely. It must have been patched together. Because obviously mm. those four songs were woven into the songs that ABWH did. We also have to remember that Steve got um, a Grammy nomination for Masquerade, which is that's a, that's a good sign in my thing. You know, so it's yeah, not yeah. the, the sort of dismal failure that everybody sees. No, I mean, you had Lift Me Up, I remember being a hit at radio, at least in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think you're right, though. The thing that, that sticks out for me the most is just the production, especially on the the uh, the How material is the mm. where the production really is bad for me. I just mm. hate that the whole drum sound... Because um, I love some of those songs, uh, you know, uh, Would Have yeah. Waited Forever, Shock to the System. Well, that's, that's a great, great. That a great opening track. They're I would great songs. comes in with that and you go, wow, that's really good. And, the other and then thing once I the drums and bass come in, they just sound so... Yeah. Ah. I originally thought Shock to the System was a Yes West song. And I said, mm -hmm. I, said I thought that. And yeah. Trevor said, yeah, I know why you think that. But he said, it's not. He said, it's yeah. kind of a Yes West by numbers. But he said... Yeah, he said they do it well. Don't get me wrong, but um, <laughs> I he said it's no, it's it's not a yes west song. He said at all, but he said it's good, and he said it changed a little bit live as well. We there was a bit more put into it live in terms of uh, bottom end and a bit of boot into it, you know. So, uh, but yeah. there there were some great songs on that album, but yeah, you know, yeah. again, time tells you this. I mean, I I've just done an interview with. Uh, Denny Sywell, who's the original drummer in Wings, found a member about the new, uh, the, the Ram album. When Ram came out, everybody hated McCartney. They hated the album. And now it's seen as one of the best McCartney albums ever. And yeah. I think time it does is, that. It is. It, time does that with albums. I mean, I remember I went to see Tales from Topographic Oceans live. And, and unfortunately, when I went to see them in Liverpool, the album hadn't been released. So I said to, I said to Chris Squire, I said, I'm sat there. Bear in mind, I'm 15. And at 15, you're very impatient. And I'm sat there thinking, well, there's something different. I mean, they started off with Close to the Edge, the entire Close to the Edge album. Here's our new album. And after that, I said, once you got into the second song, I'm thinking, when are you going to play something I know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he laughed at that. He thought that was really funny. But he said, 
yeah, we were, we were going to make them have it. <laughs> he said, uh, <laughs> I could see some people in the front row around about the third third side nodding off, you know. But, well, yeah. I mean, really, in hindsight, it was a great show. But I remember feeling at the time, oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. something I know. You know I, think, so, I, I think where you are uh, as a fan, how old you are, that kind of thing, looking at Union really changes your view of it, though, right? Because mm. if you grew up, uh, you know, and you're a teenager during Cruise to the Edge, I mean, not Cruise to the Edge, Close to the Edge and, and, and the big albums, then maybe Union doesn't sit well right off the bat. But honestly, I was 16 when Union came out and I loved, you know, 90125 and Big Generator and and knew, yeah. the, knew the Yes hits. And this was just, oh, cool, another new album. I didn't know the story. I didn't research the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I was, I've had privileged information. So I know what yeah. was going on at that time because I was working. So I have privileged information. But it doesn't make mean that I like or dislike the album. I mean, I love the albums. And um, some albums, as you know, are very instant. And some albums take time to grow. In. And it's only when you think, God, I really like this album. You think, oh, God, it's 10 years old. You know, yeah, and I think yeah. that's a good thing because I think it gives the album a longer life rather than something that's instant and then you never play it again. You know, whereas you play it solidly yeah. for a month and then never play it again. Whereas Union, I always come back to, and every time that I would have waited forever because I go, yes, this is why I love this album. Yeah, you know, there's so much I good think, stuff think, in there. I think that's one of the things for me, and you, you sort of alluded to it, Roy, that you know it was in the t you know it was the time where you know you didn't have the entire history of music available to you on, on a mobile device so when you bought a cd you chose it carefully you listened to it from you know the whole way through lots of times you got really familiar with it and you know you stuck with stuff you know I, I, but i have to say i mean you know we talked about um you know lift me up and um i would have wait, waited forever you know there are actually some i mean given we are the prog report there are qu some quite froggy moments and you know silent talking and holding on and you know there are you know time signature bits little more complicated bits that they they don't get massively fully realized but there, there's a lot of depth in there as opposed to just you know maybe you know some some of the things that you know and the tracks that people maybe ignore or overlook or kind of didn't get played live and stuff like that the thing the thing for me about it was um the other thing about it is the little the kind of the solo tracks masquerade you mentioned there's a little um it's an even song the Le levin and bruford kind of little duet piece and then mm -hmm. there's there's anchor watt as well which is there, there's a little bit of vocal in it you know that there's a little, little sort of nods like that to kind of you know the, the 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 sort of the past yes albums as well and you know it looked like a yes album and it you know it, it certainly did. to me it's it sounded like a yes album it did, yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, yeah. I also like some of the other uh, Raven songs. Uh, you know, The More We Live is great. Um, yeah. Even Saving My Heart. I mean, you know, kind of hokey pop song, but but catchy. And uh, and Miracle of yeah, Life is great. In, bear in mind, though, did you know that none of those four Yes West songs were ever going to be Yes songs? It was only because I've got four songs here. Right, right. Because Clive Davis asked him to write some songs for ABWH and he refused point blank. And he said, I'm not getting involved with that. And that's after that. And he thought, well, what if we get everybody together? But I think the four songs that the Yes West did are very much a continuation of Big Generation 90125. Totally. And, and I get that. But as a fan, and you'll know this as well, 
you listen to the album once and then the, once you get into the second and third listen you're listening for the subtleties and yeah. the, if you listen hard you always get them then and there's yes i've always had that yes i've always had those just those little touches you think oh yeah that's the yes signature and you yeah. always get that after about the second or third because when you play it first time around you're just listening to the album as a whole but when you start listening more deeply usually on headphones as well that's when you get oh yeah this is why i love this yeah well, yeah, some of the there. stuff I, w I was uh, two, two things. Some of the stuff that I was reading um, about uh, about the album, um, I would have waited forever. And, it, and one of the things I read about it said that they actually, if you listen to it this way, they tried to make the opening of it a bit like Starship Trooper. So if you think about the kind of the, you know, I would have waited forever. You know, th there is that kind of like Starship yeah. Trooper, a big chord on the vocal, little nods. I, the second thing, I got the album on vinyl this week for the very first time. Wow. It's 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 green screen in there. Yeah. But actually, yeah. but but again, hearing it not as a CD, I played side one, great, flipped it over. The first track on side two is the miracle of life. That's that's a real side album side opener of a track. Like it, and it was like, wow, well, you know, this is you know, this is it, it kind of hit me really. Really well. Do you don't think, think though the miracle it, of a, the miracle of life sounds like it could have been on the first ABWH album? Yeah, yeah. As a song, yeah, I, I really, yeah, totally. I, I mean, there's so many good points on there, but I don't think there was a bad song on the Union album. Yeah. I know Rick was famously quoted as saying "Onion," and I can understand why because he's probably thinking, "Hang on, where am I?" But yeah. um, I think in terms of the songs. I don't. I really don't think that it could be faulty. No, actually, I mean, it's it's way more listenable than I remembered. You know, it, I even I remember even liking it back then. But then, sort of time passes, and all you do is read about how everybody hates the record, you know, yeah. and that sort of distorts things. And then I went and started listening to it again because of because of this, and I'm like, no, I actually still like it. It's not bad. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> and it was record. it was yes in it was yes in 1991. You don't want, look, what I would not have wanted in 1991 was yes, doing a rehash of Close to the Edge or Fragile. You know, the yeah. band had moved on. And I, and again, the Union album was a very subtle move on from Big Generator 90125 and the Anderson Brew for Wayman Hell. Although that, I think some of the songs could have gone on. You can see somewhere some of the Anderson Brew for Wayman songs are. But um, I think it's very much yes in 1991. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't actually think it's dated as much as the Anderson Group of Wakeman Howe album. I think it's still a little more um, in your face than that one. Um, and again, the songs, I, I find that with a lot of 80s uh, artists in the 80s, everybody wanted to use this new technology and it just basically traps them in amber because it's the, oh, that's the 80s. The, the production techniques give it away. Um, and I was surprised that John... But then again, John has always been a very, um, hey, I want to use the new technology. I want to do this. He wanted to be cutting edge. That's cool. Bill Bruford was another one. Um, yeah. And so Steve, they were all wanting to move it forward. And that's always been the signature thing of yes. On, I mean, I would say this Chris Squire song's great. Onward. That, that really should be what you would say that word. That's yes. Onward. And I think um, mm. Union is definitely, was at the time, the next step. What about yeah. the tour? Let's talk a little bit about that because I oh, didn't get cool. to see it, and Jeff, you didn't either. You said no. Nope. So John, I, I mean, tell us what the tour was because the one thing everybody says about this record and this this whole period is that the album was hit or miss, but everybody seems unanimous that they enjoyed the shows. Um, all the band loved the shows. 
Um, I, I, Bill Bruford told me to, and this is after they'd done the first big run. He said we were doing the second run across America. And I, you know, point out why don't we do some different songs? He said stupidly, I should have known. He said that you know, if you're a small band, you don't have a massive production like Yes did. You can do that. He said, I'm sure Bono and The Edge decide what the set list is, and if they want to stick something in, the other two guys go with it. He said, we couldn't. We were encased in this concrete, you know, coffin, as it were. And he said, we couldn't change it because of the lighting cues and the big production and everything else. And he said, it was then that I thought, oh, okay, I get it. So he wasn't happy about that. He wanted to do some newer songs. But the rest of the band had a good time. And, and Bill said he had a great time as well. Um, I think it enabled them to do um, a lot of material they hadn't done for a while. Um, and of course, the new material, which they'd not done. And I think they were all involved in that. And if you look at the uh, the DVD, which is again coming out as part of the box set, um, they're all smiling. They're having a good time yeah. on that stage. And it seemed like they did. You know, John's cracking his jokes, his, you know, his normal jokes. I mean, John's always been cracking jokes like that. I remember when they played at... Um, the Liverpool Empire, John was going, can't believe Ken Dodd stood here. Ken Dodd was a very famous comedian <laughs> in England yeah. from the from Liverpool. And he said, Ken Dodd was stood here, right here. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a very finely tuned northern sense of humour as John. But uh, the show just, I mean, for me, it didn't last long enough. It's like, no sooner they started, it finished. That's a good sign. So I had to see him again. But, you know, it's, What was um, the opening song for that, for the show? You remember? No yours, is, yours no disgrace yeah yeah, yeah. Makes sense. the usual kind yeah of and i hadn't heard that for ages and i just i remember saying um the thing it sent to me mate it's like ah, i've had this for years and years and it was quite funny because when they were out doing um when they were doing the ladder i said you know i said to chris i, I said look yeah i'd love to hear you do Yours is no disgrace again. He said, well, it's your lucky night because we're doing it since set. So <laughs> I said, after years and years and years, and then you do it, you know, you start doing it regularly. But the whole thing was, um, it's very, very well done. And of course, I thought, my oh, God, eight musicians on the stage. I mean, because you've got two keyboards, two guitarists, plus you've got one bass player and one singer, but you've got two drummers as well. Although I think Bill was adding a lot of color to, to the yeah. thing. But I mean, Let's face it, Alan, Alan White is a wonderful, wonderful drummer. Very solid, but he's also capable of that fast sort of, um, you know, sort of rhythmically intricate stuff as well. And Bill is as well. But, um, you know, I think they complemented each other on this tour. And you would never think that they would because they're both diametrically opposed in terms of style. Yeah. But yeah. they were very well together. But did they play a lot at the same time or they switched on and off? Um, no, they well, they all they all played at the same time. Steve went off a couple of times. Uh, I don't think Steve was on yeah. stage for Owner of a Lonely Heart and a, and a couple of others. Um, and then Steve did his solo, of course. And then the irony was that Trevor did. Uh, so Trevor did. Uh, Trevor's a big fan of Shakti, the John McLaughlin band, and uh, Solly's beard was very much influenced by that. And uh, there was some great. There was just some great musicianship on display from all of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've got to be honest and say, uh, and with no disrespect to any of the other guys, the two people who nailed that, if you like, that sort of, uh, that, that performance to the floor really solidly with Chris Squire and Alan White. And it didn't really matter what the others did, but what the others did really complemented it. But Chris and Alan, they held it together. Yeah. That's just my opinion, funny, of course. I'll tell you a funny story. I, I never got to see the tour at all, but um 
in summer of 91, I was um, in, in Toronto, in Canada, visiting, visiting my uncle. And um, much music was the, the MTV of, of the Canadian MTV oh, at right. that time. And again, at that time, you know, in the UK, MTV and such things weren't weren't really weren't really a thing that we had on on on, on our on our TV. So this was a, a great attraction to me. And I remember being out and one night coming in, flicking on the TV, and it came up, yes, around the world in eighty days. And I think it's the show from Denver. Mm. And there was ninety minutes of the show. I couldn't couldn't believe it. And I mean that must have been, you know, maybe July or August when those shows probably were kind of maybe April, May time. So, um, and, and there was the whole thing and I'm getting to see it on TV. And what I did, I, like, I, I begged, stole or borrowed from my uncle a, a video cassette and I recorded it. Okay. But of course the U S and our, uh, sorry, apologies to my Canadian friends, Canada and the UK have two different TV systems, but I came yeah. back to the, to, to the UK with my VHS video that I knew I couldn't play. And I paid a fortune to some company that I sent it off to to convert it, and it came back in very, very sketchy quality. But it, but at yeah. least I had the it. days when and not actually, everything was available show everywhere. And ended up on Mr. Kirkman will be familiar with this, but the very same oh, show yeah. is is actually one of the kind of extras on 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 this it, set. It so I now I now have it in way better quality than my sketchy. Uh, well, it, having said that, what you've got there it, because Trevor. Um, for American or Canadian TV, I think it was American TV, edited, I think it was about 40 minutes, and he remixed the sound for that. What you've got on that, which, I mean, I was the executive producer of that, yeah. and there's a new uh, multiple expanded stuff with lots more video in, and that's the Denver show's in there, and it was in the round. What you've got is the, the rough mix of it, but it's great to see it in the round. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's a wonderful show. I mean, it really is. And again, they all look like they're having a great time. I mean, yeah, Rick yeah. and Tony, they're, they're like drinking buddies. They're, just, they're, like, they're having some, it's like they're in on some private joke. They're just having yeah. a fabulous time together. And well, wasn't, um, wasn't, there a, wasn't there a story that, I mean, I read a story that, um, that, and I don't know whether this was an ARW or whether it was in this tour, but that Rick used to leave post-it notes on Trevor Rabin's guitar with a word that he wanted him to say or sing during the show, and this was one of their this is one of their little jokes apparently. I I think that was the ARW. Was that yeah. ARW? Yeah. I don't. Yeah. They Rick and Trevor get on really really well, and that, here's here's the funny thing that a lot of people don't realize. Originally, Rick was going to be in the nine zero one two five lineup, and Chris said, "No, nah, no, nah, I don't think you and Rick will get on." And and Trevor said, "The crazy thing is, we get on like a house on fire." Yeah. But he'd already, Chris had already spoken to Tony Kay. And of course, and, and Trevor said, Tony, I love Tony. Get on great with Tony. But um, he said, well, the original idea was to have, yeah, Rick could have been in uh, the 90125 lineup. But um, he said, yeah, I think it would have been actually. Because a lot of the, the keyboard, I mean, Tony plays Hammond on that and a bit of piano. But um, it, most of the keyboards on that um, are done by Trevor. And the, and the funny thing is, um, I mean, the, again, there's always some kind of dissent going on with the ES guys. And sometimes it's very productive in terms of what they create out of that. But sometimes it's not very productive at all. I mean, uh, Tony said that he'd had, he didn't get on well with Trevor Horn. And then he didn't, um, he, he said, I'd had enough of yes and I'd had enough of London. So he said, I, I, had, the, I had the job to do another bad finger up, so I left and went there. 
And Trevor came in and he said, I came in and said, well, this is Tony's gear. And Trevor said, listen, we need to go for a cup of tea and have a chat. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was it, basically. But by the time Big Generator came along and 90125 had been such a success all over the world. And um, basically the album had sold ridiculously well. The tour was the longest tour that Yes had ever done. And, and as Trevor said, you know, the promoters were literally, you know, drooling at the mouth about putting us on and these all these gigs extended, extended, extended. He said, you're relatively young. They thought, yeah, OK, we'll do it. But he said, by the time we came to Big Generator, Tony had a lot of leverage, so he couldn't be levered out, as he were. And he took great right. delight in that. But he said, uh, and it, it's really funny, he compared Yes to a whale. He said, when it's in the water, it's a wonderful thing. But he said, when it's on the beach, it's not very nice at all. He said, Yes was like that. We couldn't really write in the studio. We had songs to do. He said, everybody was partying. There's this person doing this. People were there. And he said, ah, we're giving the manager a load of grief. And he said, I've got to be honest, no, not to say I was as well. So he said, it was, you know, not the best period in the world, really, yeah. for the band. But we managed to pull it together. But he said, the, the big generator tour, I knew by the last show, which was the Atlantic uh, celebration show in New York, he said, I knew that was the last gig. And uh, he said, because John, did, we had a lot of, discussions and John didn't like a lot of stuff. I mean, they trashed a $2 million lighting rig because nobody liked it. They had a stage <laughs> set. I went, uh, no, we don't like that. Well, we've already bought it and made it, you know? So he said, they were the sort of silly decisions that were being made, you know? So I, I imagine it was probably nice. I mean, in comparison, the union tour must have been like, a, you know, were there, do you know, uh, do you know if there were any debates between, between the different sort of, factions there about what songs get played on on the set no no they they the set pretty much wrote itself and again that's the keyboard the funny thing was tony k said you know i found out i've been played because i never played and you and i and he said um i found out rip actually you're not playing that right it goes like this and he said, well, actually, you've not, you're not, you've not been playing yours. There's no disgrace, right? It goes like this. <laughs> so he said, we had a laugh over that. But he says, you know, that's, that's the kind of camaraderie that they had. I think it was a very happy tour. Um, and I think they were all getting on. Um, you know, even Steve. And Steve's very, people think Steve is very standoffish and he's not very nice. He's a lovely guy. But I don't think Steve likes the circus that surrounds rock bands yeah. nowadays and that and I, he's very sensitive and he's very introverted as well and that's not in a horrible way he's really is the true artist and he cares about what he does musically and everything else so i think yeah he was he was pretty happy by the tour you know that's great i, I, I say regret I, was, I wish i got to see it i i was listening back to the um to the 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 audio from that and the the, the things that i think are really are the fun the fun moments are you know the bit when people are playing stuff that they maybe didn't originally play on like at the end of owner of a lonely heart they give rick a solo you know and it's kind of that yeah. glimpse of that's what it must have been like or rhythm of love i think he does one as well and then yeah. there's i think it's on um um what is it is it uh changes i think that steve Howe plays a kind of nylon string acoustic guitar doubling one of the lines and it's like oh that's really cool and there's other bits where sometimes I think particularly the guitars are probably the thing that can be a little bit hit or miss. Sometimes Trevor's playing a bit, a bit too much. Yeah, um, he plays a bit, a bit too much in his yeah. own style. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, but then again, you know, every artist and every musician I've ever met wants to put his own stamp on it. And I mean, yeah. people moan about, well, you know, Trevor's no Steve Howe. Yeah, well, Steve Howe is no Peter Banks. Yeah. And and yeah, Peter, yeah. I mean, Peter was always very disappointed by what happened and the amount of the band. 
But and again, the drum says, "Oh, Steve hates Peter." He didn't. And I luckily, before Peter died, I spoke to him and said, "He really rates you. He, I mean, very, very highly. He's no, you know, has no problem with you at all." And I said, "His quote is: I could not have come into Yes and done what I did if Peter hadn't laid the foundation." Now that, to me, is a really good, very, very yeah, honest absolutely. tribute to the previous member of the band. And cool. uh, of course, the oh. played a big thing, paying time in a word, you know. Yeah. It was, I think that there's a lot of love between the Yes guys. And if I said to Steve Howe once, it's like being in the Secret Service. You can never leave Yes, can you? You're always <laughs> going to be a next member of Yes. And sometimes you get the nod to come back on and, you know, score the final goal. And, you know, it's one the, of those and, things. And, and the crazy well, thing is, it's been since Union another 30 years of Yes continuing yeah. on, which is uh, unimaginable, I think. Well, yeah. I was I was going to I was going to ask. Do, do you think it could ever happen again? I mean, no. I, I I was glancing back at the uh, Rock <laughs> no. and Roll Hall of Fame going. That was it. That, that was the time it that happened. Did, no, that listen, didn't, that I, didn't um, look like a, much of a party. Chris Squire and I had a, a long meeting when we were doing the film for uh, Fish Out of Water. I said, look, what about this idea? And he goes, hmm, that sounds really good. And I said, what you want to do, get the Albatall, book it for a week, film it, record it. The original band goes on, plays a few songs, and then Peter comes off, Steve comes on, play a few, few more. Then Tony comes off, and then Rick comes on, and then everybody yeah. comes on, the various people, everyone has ever been in Yes, and at the very end, you do Roundabout, quite appropriately, or Starship Trooper. And Chris went, yeah, that'd be really good. Would you put it together? And I went, no, I can't even get five of you to agree on something. <laughs> Never mind, 18. I said, look, I'll try. And I went to speak to Bill Brugel, went down to his house, and, and I said, look, would you do that? And he goes, well, that, would, that sounds like a really good idea. That would, that would certainly uh, be very, very popular, I'm sure. I said, well, would you do it? And he went, no. <laughs> well, I thought, well, we can't do it then, can we? Oh, it's like, you know, they, I love the fact that they are very individualist and they have very, very, um, very, very personal ideas about how things should be done and how they do it. But they normally find a way of navigating through it. But sometimes it's like, no, I've done that. And, and Bill said to me, no, I've done one yes reunion. I'm not doing it. That's it. Yeah, a lot of those classic bands. I mean, you know, Robert Plant won't do Led Zeppelin again, and David Gilmour won't do Pink Floyd again, and you know, they just don't—they don't want to go there. I—I I get but it. They've been there, seen it, and done yeah. it. I get that too. But it's not that they're not going to play the songs, right? Because Gilmour will go out and play Pink Floyd songs that he wrote, and yeah. and he plays sure. songs that Roger wrote that are very put like comfortably numb and um, run like hell. But it, you know, it's a whole different thing going out as uh, this big corporate, because it is whether people like it or not, it's a big corporate entity. It's like, right. yes, corporate. That doesn't mean to say that John Anderson, Rick Wakeman and, and Trevor Rabin, uh, what can't go out and play yes songs. I mean, that, we had an example of that. That broke the mold when, you know, you had Tony Kay join the band for 90125 and he's playing a lot of material because they didn't play very much from the first two yes albums. Sorry, the first three yes albums. Um, and he was playing a lot of stuff that Rick, and, um, you know, I played with the band. So that, yeah. that's the whole thing. So the precedent had already been set. And that was the whole thing about, yes, every time they changed the membership, which they've been doing since 1970, the, pre the, the newcomer had to play what the previous guy had done. Right. You know, and um, I think that's good because over the years, because when you first look at when Steve Howe came in, he, although it was very obviously Steve Howe and he had his own style, he did give a nod to what had gone before. But as it, things moved on, so did Steve's appreciation of the songs, and he was able to put more into them of himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and that's the way. And it's been like that with Yes all along. So it's, um, yeah, look, you know, they're, they're an evolving band. And the fact that they're still here and evolving, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Do you Absolutely. guys think you could pick three, your top three songs from Union? Hmm. Um, ooh, I can. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, why don't you go first? Yep, go first. Okay, Union, I Would Have Waited Forever, um, Shock to the System, and... Um, Ooh, I actually like Masquerade. I do like Masquerade a lot. And it, first, I know it's very Steve Howe and it's what you expect three, from Steve. First three songs Those out, three out of the me. gate. There, there you go. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? <laughs> I, I love them. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, hard to choose. I mean, I do remember I would have waited forever and hearing John and Chris's voices and that was, was pretty spectacular as an opener. I loved Lift Me Up. Um and yeah you know miracle of life's great too um but the one that i really like listening to it recently um holding on um one towards the end of the album i thought that that really stood out to me as having some quite yeah a little bit of the production stuff that we talked about but um yeah enjoyed it so that's four four songs yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, what, John, I like, listen, John, I like what? the whole album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, totally. I, I, well, I'd have to go. Uh, I mean, Lift Me Up is easily one of my favorite songs from the band ever. I know it's it's yeah. very much a Trevor Raven, you know, almost solo it's, track. It's probably one of the rockiest tracks <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, but I always love I that. Uh, I'd have to go Shock to the System too, which I think is has just one of the best choruses uh the in their catalog it's so different and catchy i just always love that um yeah i'd probably go miracle of life maybe third but i but would have waited forever would be right there i guess as well those are the ones for me um but yeah i love those if if i was uh you know those things you try to make a if you were going to make a playlist of your favorite yes songs i think those those make it in there for me you know it's it's not all classics type of you know tomorrow you'd probably pick another three. <laughs> that's right. That's always because the way. songs are that's so good. That's always the way. But you think, oh, yeah, well, and you think, well, that's got to stay, but I want that then. Well, so you know that... what surprised me? A song like Dangerous, which I'd sort of forgotten yeah. about as a, as yeah. sort of a forgotten song there a little bit, and I listened to that. That came on, I went, oh, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that's much better well, than I'm, I remember. Yeah, but you also know with Dangerous, that is a prime contender for somebody sampling. I think yeah. that. I think, yeah. why yeah. hasn't somebody sampled that yet? Because that's a real prime contender for somebody to come along and sample just a bit of that and go, wow, yeah. And then you reach up to a new audience entirely. Yeah, for well, sure. Two, two or three years ago, Steve Howe put out his Anthology 2 album and he had he put in it um, a version of Dangerous, which w- was from, you know, the, the, the sessions kind of before it got mashed up in the kind of in the, in the blender um because i think a lot of the guitar on that well it i mean it says in the credits it was jimmy horn playing it of course who not who now has come full circle into in the arc of life with the guys but actually mm. when you listen to the original version what steve howe played on it wasn't wasn't massively different um no you know and it, but it did sound a, a lot more uh yeah a lot more like steve howe funny enough so yeah 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 he's but such John, a distinct sound John, there's the, the the box set that you mentioned coming out. What what can you what can you tell us about that? Well, what I can tell you about that is it's essentially um, it came out as you know as a four disc set. Um, gosh, ten years ago, over ten years ago now. Um, it's uh, the the rights are owned by Larry McGid, uh, who was the promoter of the Union Tour, 
okay. and for that he paid for the rights. Uh, concert promoters can do that. Actually, they legally concert promoters have the light of the right to record and film every concert they promote. They cannot use that commercially unless they have the permission of the record company, the artist, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's why you, there's a lot of stuff that Bill Graham did in the 60s and 70s that's on film and also yeah. on audio because they have the right. Same with Nebworth and, and the late, um, the guy who did um, the uh, Nebworth show, oh gosh, I've just forgotten his name there, where he recorded all his stuff as well. And yeah. um, this was, oh, and what the problem we've got, here's the big problem. When we got from Larry McGid, Larry McGid said, look, the guys must get their royalties, which they are. They will. They're fully on board with this. Um, but the the actual film from Shoreline was edited. Now, again, a lot of times in the in the music industry, if you don't if you cut stuff out, you're not you know, you're not allowed to keep it. You have to destroy it. That was the ruling. Uh, we don't know where that cutout's gone because it's not the full show. The full show, I think, is the Denver show, which is on there. And we've got a bootleg recording of the very first show at Pensacola. And we've also yeah. got the audio from Pensacola. So it's basically a bootleg thing. And there's some great radio broadcasts and there's some great soundboards in there as well. But it is a limited edition. Yes, on board, but it's yes, haven't generated this. It's been generated by Larry McGid. And a lot of bands are doing, come on, let's be honest, King Crimson have been sticking out boxes with lots of bootleg material in. Some of it is not the best yeah. quality, but it's capturing a moment. And I think if you want to capture a moment from any band, I mean, as well as King Crimson, there's got to be yes. You want to you want to hear what they were doing then. I mean, I know there's yeah. lots of fans want to hear a live, you know, recording from the Tales from Topographic Oceans tour. I know there is recordings um, because part of it was going to be as part of Yes Shows. And Yes Shows was going to be Yes Songs 2 originally. And um, there was going to be stuff from the Tales from Topographic Oceans tour on there. As it ended up, it was only Ritual that ended up on that show. And that was a kind of butchered version because what they'd done, a lot of it was recorded on the Tomato tour, which is the 10th anniversary. And then they decided, look, the band's changed line of again, I'd we'd rather do a live album. I mean, uh, sorry, a studio album, which was drama. And again, there was going to be a live performance of the drama tour from Madison Square Garden. The deal was done where the multi-track desk came in. And uh, as, uh, as Rick Wakeman used to call Brian Lane, dealer day lane, uh, that the deal yeah. fell through. So the desk came out again. Then the deal was back on again, but it was too late to get it into the King Biscuit. So all they took was a direct stereo feed out of the soundboard. Right. So that's the best yeah. bootleg you can get from the drama. But there's all these things going on all the time with Yes. And the great thing about Yes, and, I, and I'll say this hand on heart, it drives me around the wall sometimes. I mean, really up the wall. Um, the minute you say something, it changes. You'd like you say, well, now they're never going to do a Union 2. Oh, yes, announce Union 2. I mean, that's the sort of thing. That Perpetual is the change. That is, yeah, that's why. Well, listen, a, the ARW and, thing was a, was a complete like shock that that happened. So, no, yeah, not really, because I can go back to 2010 when they Well, you, for you, that. it wasn't. So, but <laughs> no, but, but I mean, you know, Trevor said, we're not going to talk about it anymore. He said, because I'm getting sick of it. He said, unless we actually do something, he said. Well, right. They had talked about it forever and then nothing ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then, it, and then it, I had, yeah, it's happening. That's great. So, you know, again, um, that, what I can tell you is that they're all talking to each other now. There's no, no arguments. All of the band, all the people who've ever been in Yes are all now talking to each other and on good terms. 
That's a great. I'm place. not going to say. I'm not going to say anymore. No, that's that, that's, that's that a great place change. to. That's a great place to leave our discussion. I think that's perfect. Uh, well, no, well, apart from the stuff that's coming, there's still more stuff. There's always more stuff. Uh, yeah, guys, thanks. Thanks for uh, for uh, chatting on this. This was fun. John, always good to yep. see you, my friend. And yeah, uh, good to see you, Roy. We'll see and you Jeff soon, well. hopefully. Well, yeah, hopefully we can get to talk about Death Leopard or something as well. I mean, I, right. I love talking about music. Love to talk about it. Absolutely. Great to well, see you I have you to all. say, when, when, Roy, when Roy floated this idea, I went, really? You want to do you want to do a podcast about the album that most Yes fans think is, <laughs> is one of their worst albums? Are you mad? Yeah. But actually, <laughs> I mean, sorry, I will, I will say it here publicly. He was right. It's been really fun revisiting it. My, my closing thought on it was this. I thought about this the other night. If this had been a John Anderson solo album, right, with with everybody else guesting, because he did kind of mastermind it, I reckon yeah. it would probably be one of his best solo, certainly his best solo album yeah. since the 1970s, you know? The guy's if you listen really to it creative. in that way, you know? Yeah, yeah he's it, really it, creative. Uh, he sometimes get. I mean, you, you have to re bear in mind that Relay was going to be a dance album, according to John. Um, <laughs> you know, and it ended up something totally different. But that's the great thing about all of those there's no never been any passengers on the yes bus everyone has been there for a reason and we got to see eight of those members displaying exactly why there are no passengers on the yes bus and i think yeah. it would be wonderful to see again whether we do i think no but hey you haven't said it who knows yeah i have i would i, I might i might doubt it but but hey let's you never know you never know all right guys have a good night We'll talk yeah, to great you to soon. speak to you guys. You take too. care. Good to see you, Bye. 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 Cheers, Bye. mate. Bye. Bye.